As Moses said, we are in the middle of our study on Romans. This is week five. And last week, we were in chapter seven, which included a question from Paul at the end. The apostle Paul said, who is going to deliver me from the misery that sin brings upon me? And then Paul began to explain that we are no longer to go on sinning now that we have a new power in operation. Well, if we're no longer to go on sinning, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? Today's scripture from chapter eight is a direct answer to that question. I'm gonna read a somewhat lengthy selection from Romans 8, and I'm actually gonna read from the message translation. Uh, Romans can be a little dense, and I wanna make sure everybody's getting what we're talking about. So we're gonna go with the message translation. So once again, Who's gonna deliver me from the misery that sin brings on me? And how should I be living now? Let's go to the word for the answer. Romans 8, 1. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you for delivering us from our fateful dilemma. God, we are here because we want more of you. We want to hear you speak into our situation. We're looking to you, God. And so, Lord, I ask that your spirit would just begin to move even more throughout this space. Bring every dead part of us to life. Let us hear what you have to say for us and let us leave this place changed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, good morning again. Did you know that the electric slide was uh, invented in 1976? Did you know that there are actually several variations of the electric slide, including the freeze, 
the cowboy boogie, and of course, my personal favorite variation, the cha-cha slide. I hear some of you laughing, and that's because you were at the women's retreat, so you know, and you remember Marcy doing the cha-cha slide, and she was getting it. The electric slide reigns supreme. It is so popular, so popular, in fact, that it was named the number one dance in the world 10 years in a row, according to Line Dancer magazine. It's a thing. <laughs> it, it actually is a thing. Um, Christmas presents. Um, but uh, everybody loves the electric slide. Everybody loves it. Everybody knows it. And that's for, you know, a few different reasons. Number one, you don't have to be a great dancer to master the electric slide. All you got to do is nail down a couple of basic, simple foundational dance moves, right? You do those basic, simple, foundational dance moves over and over again, right? But eventually, when you watch it, what happens is it's no longer about the specific dance moves. What starts to happen is you just get the beat and the rhythm and you feel it. And it doesn't matter if your feet don't go where everyone else's go at the same time. It's just about the joy of being in this group of people and everybody's moving on one accord and everybody's in it together and the joy just swells and swells. I believe the Christian life, the walk that we're supposed to have is a lot like the electric slide. As a Christian, there are some basic foundational things that you need to do, and you need to do them over and over again, but you also need to feel the Spirit. You need to let the Holy Spirit help you put your own twist, your own flair on what it all looks like, and let the joy swell and swell. And I see a lot of you smiling right now, and I love that. I want you to keep that. I want you to keep that energy because today we're gonna be talking about putting sin to death and living in a new way. And I want you, instead of thinking, oh no, this is another thing I have to do. No, 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 babe. Let's dance. Let's dance. Let's live how God has called us to live, but let's dance. And the way that God wants us to live is called, as we just heard, it's called living in the spirit or in the message translation, embracing what the spirit is doing in you. Living life in the spirit, that is the goal, that is the dance. But there's something sticky on the dance floor. And if you've ever been out and you've been to a great party and you like start walking across the floor and it's like sticky, it's just so gross. You're like, ugh, get me out of here. That is sin. Something on the dance floor, you're trying to groove, you're trying to move with the Holy Spirit and something sticky underneath your feet. There are times where we struggle to live for God. There are times when living in a way that pleases him is more difficult than we might like to imagine or to admit. 
but there's a transformative work that's already started in those of us who call ourselves Christians. And so we have a choice. We can either stifle that miraculous work or we can cooperate with it in order to be truly fulfilled. And so what I wanna do today is just take it from the top of chapter eight. I just wanna walk through Paul's case that we have been set free and look at three things. The struggle we all face, the choices we make, and the outcome. So here we go. I'm gonna take a sip of water for a moment. Boom. All right, the first portion of chapter eight is actually a recap of the first seven chapters of Roman. Paul does that sometimes. He's like, I wanna make sure you heard what I said, so let me recap the whole thing for you again. In those first few chapters, as Phil, Alicia, and Moses have uh, expounded on, Paul points out the magnitude of our sin. And then he talks about God's solution to the problem of sin. God who is, as Phil said, perfectly loving and perfectly just, did not wanna be separated from us. He did not want sin to dominate our lives. And so Paul lays out how God's rescue plan came together, that in order to help us live holy, we were first given the law of Moses, which we were unable to keep. In fact, that law ended up exposing just how sinful we really were. And so rather than have us keep basing our righteousness on trying to keep a set of rules, which we were unable to do, God offered us another way into right standing. He offered us his son, Jesus Christ. And now we have placed our faith in Jesus and it is by faith and faith alone, not by rule keeping, not by trying to be perfect, that we have been made righteous. Not only that, we have been given God's spirit and we've been adopted into his family. And so now all that's left to do is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus to be holy like Jesus. We're trying to become more and more like him every single day. And I think that you all are like me and I'm like you. Let me get real for a second. I think you love Jesus. I think you're serious about this life. I think you wanna be at church. You know, you, you wanna be worshiping. You love Jesus. When you look back over your life, you are so grateful that God did not leave you where you were. You almost can't even believe how you used to be. You're so grateful that he saw you, that he plucked you out and brought you to where you are. You're so grateful. And yet, my flesh still wants things. How can it be? How can it be that you, I mean, you really love Jesus. You really, you really wanna please God and yet your flesh still wants things. How is it that you could glimpse the power and the beauty in Jesus, what it would actually be like to be like him and yet there is an undeniable war raging, waging inside of you? How is it that you feel that tension 
uh, more, than, more on some days than you do on other days? Why is it hard to admit that we still struggle with sin? It is uncomfortable to admit that we still have temptations, and the enemy knows that, and he uses it to silence us and for us to hide. And oftentimes we see perfect-looking people get propped up, and we think they don't have any sin, and then we're very shocked and surprised and let down when they fall. And then we prop up more perfect looking people and we're not talking about the struggle of sin. And that makes those of us that are struggling go further into hiding until suddenly you're just left with this posture and this shame of like, you know, I really wanna change. I really don't like that behavior. I really don't like that I do those things. But I, I'm, I'm stuck. You know, I've prayed the prayers, I'm stuck. The good news is that God wants you to change too. God wants you to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus and to live a holy life, but not through your performance, not through trying to keep a set of rules. What God wants you to understand is that without him, without the Holy Spirit, it's actually impossible to change. Without him, you're only gonna be attacking what's on the surface. You're only attacking the symptoms of sin and not getting to the root cause, the real problem of why this behavior is coming out in the first place. So if we really wanna change, we must embrace the Holy Spirit and let him go deeper within us. Paul just keeps saying that in Romans. Embrace what the Spirit is doing in you or don't because you get a choice. You can live many different ways. You can live life in the sunshine, life in the fast lane, life in the moment, or you can live life in the Spirit. And when I... When we say living in the spirit, um, you know, sometimes we say these Christian phrases and I'm like, what does that mean? But what does that mean? Okay, living life in the spirit can be summed up many different ways, but at its core, it is a decision to give attention to the spirit. So I'm giving my attention to the Holy Spirit. Well, where's the Holy Spirit's attention? His attention is always on Jesus. Living life in the spirit is a decision that I'm gonna let the spirit lead and guide me. Well, where does the Holy Spirit always lead and guide me? Back to Jesus. Living life in the spirit means you're going to adhere to what the Holy Spirit says. You're going to follow, you're going to obey versus living in the moment. Now, when I'm talking about living in the moment, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to suspend disappointment in order to be grateful for what you currently have. That's a good thing. When I'm talking about living life in the moment, I'm talking about you're living with no regard for the past and no respect for the future. You have no regard for what Jesus has done for you. Was not an easy walk, not a game, not a light thing. No regard for that. And then with no hope of the future glory, to which we've been called, living so far beneath uh, your your means and and who God has called you to be. Um, 
Between the two choices, I'm gonna go off my notes for a moment. Between living in the moment or living in the spirit, let's just keep it 100% real. Living in the spirit is much harder. Why? Because your flesh, the untransformed parts of you, does not want to relinquish control to the Holy Spirit. So let's quickly break down what I mean by the flesh. Okay, very quickly. You have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. You are the spirit. You have, your spirit, you have come from God. Your spirit will return back to the, to the Lord. And you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, why you're wired the way you are, why you do the things you do, and you have a body, okay, which is temporary. You know that. When people pass away, the body will remain here. But when the body dies, you're not gonna cease to exist. You know that, right? You're going on. Your spirit will go on. When you became saved, your spirit is what has been renewed. Your spirit is like Jesus. You have received spiritual blessings. You have been empowered to be like Jesus. But if you remember praying the prayer of salvation, when you opened your eyes, guess what? Your waistline was the same size. You still liked the things that you liked, you know? If you liked the Broncos before you got saved, you probably liked them after you got saved, maybe. But, um, you know, the, your taste in music, your favorite food, those things didn't change because the transformation that took place was in the spirit. Nothing happened to the soul and the body. So your thinking patterns, you think to yourself, well, how is it that I just prayed the prayer of salvation and I'm still tempted to do these things? Because this is the untransformed part. There's still desires in the body, thinking patterns that have to be changed, uh, traits that you have that you describe as personality traits but are really carnal parts of you that need to be submitted to God. And so your spirit, which has been renewed, transformed, set free, says, hey, I know you guys have been in charge all of my life, but I'm here now. And I know the best thing for us to do is follow the Holy Spirit. And your mind, your will, your emotions, which like darkness sometimes, are saying, oh, no, 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 no. We run this and the spirit says, no, get in line with what I'm doing and let's follow God. There is a war between what has been renewed and set free and what has yet to be transformed. Who's gonna win? Well, in the end, your spirit is gonna win. But the carnal parts are not gonna make it easy for him in the meantime. That's why you gotta get in the dance. <laughs> it's made even more complicated when you remember that we're also living in a world that is very hostile to God. This is not an environment where we would naturally thrive to celebrate God. And so, living in a countercultural way to what you see around you Living in a countercultural way to how you used to think about things, how you used to handle things. You know what it's like? 
It's like traveling to a new time zone. I haven't traveled as much as I would like to, but I've been to the Middle East and I've been to Hawaii. Um, opposite directions, but both of those trips involved a really long plane ride and oceans had to be crossed and I wound up being in a very different time zone from the one that I normally live in. Crossing time zones is not easy, you know that. What happens when we cross time zones? We often get jet lagged, right? There's, a, there's like a pull, you're like, oh, what's happening here? Um, when you cross time zones, you have to do everything differently from the way you're accustomed to doing it. You eat when you're not hungry. Uh, you might wake up well before the rest of the city. Sometimes you have to force yourself to go to bed early so that you can keep pace the next day. Your way of life just doesn't look like everybody else's. There's this uh, Christian teacher, preacher, his name is uh, Glenn Packham. Uh, I really like to read his stuff. And he, he put it like this. He said, salvation is like being transferred from one time zone to another. We belong to the age to come, a future place. But we live in the present evil age now. And so the best thing that we can do is to follow the same advice that you would apply to international travel, which is start living according to where you're going before you get there. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you've now been empowered to live into the future, to live now as it will be then. The Christian life doesn't make a lot of sense in the present age, okay? Especially not when everybody else is focused on living in the moment and you're living over here. It doesn't make sense to tithe your money. It doesn't make sense to go serve the poor. It doesn't make sense to stop getting high every single day. In the present age, doing those things is as foolish as eating breakfast at midnight. But you are in a new time zone. And so when we understand, thank you, Jesus, when we understand and we start to adhere to what the Spirit is doing in and around us, you understand, even though it looks strange, I just have to move differently. I have to move according to my new time zone. I'm not gonna live for this. I'm gonna live in expectation of where I'm about to go. I was talking to someone who is fairly new to our church. Actually, Franny, I'm talking about your girlfriend. I really like her. She's very nice. Yeah, thumbs up, right back at you. Um, I was talking to Franny's girlfriend and we were talking very early before church a few weeks ago. Um, and she said, hi, how are you? She's really nice. And I was like, Ugh, I'm okay. And she was like, oh, and she started laughing because you know she expected me to say like, I'm great, how are you? And I said, no, I said, I'm just being honest with you. I said, I'm, I'm a little worn down right now and it's all my own fault because I've just been so fleshy. I've just been going back to the things that are comforting to me and bring me pleasure instead of praying and you know, reading the word, right, or cutting it short to jump on Twitter because I don't know, you know? And um, 
She said, yeah, she said, that happens to me too sometimes. And she said, but when I get in those moments, I always tell myself, you can choose whatever you want, but what you choose is gonna impact the way that you see things. And I was like, ooh, yes, stealing that, thank you so much, because yes, it's so true, what we choose is going to impact the way that we see things around us. It's gonna impact what you choose next. If we choose to operate only from our flesh, it's gonna be dark. But if we choose to operate and cooperate with the spirit, it's gonna lead us to life and peace. If it is not bearing fruit for you, you probably just need to let it go. What the Spirit commands us to do is not always easy, but it's usually very clear. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I wanna uh, end our time today um, by sharing a story with you from the Old Testament. Um, it's one of my favorites and um, it is always encouraging to me when I feel like I'm messing up. Um, as I was preparing the message this week, I had such a strong feeling that um, there are uh, many people in this church that have really made so many great strides with the Lord. You know, you look back at where you were October 9th, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and it's just been tremendous progress in terms of your peace, your, your spiritual walk. Things are going really well, and I just had this sense that um, you're tempted to start experimenting. Like, oh, you know, do I need community group? Do I need, you know, like, well, I don't know. Babe, stay the course. I don't know if you were looking for a sign or what you came in looking for this morning. I'm telling you, stay the course. Where you are right now is because God has led you there. This is not the time to start listening to a different voice. This is the time to stay the course. As it's about to get dark and cold, stay the course. Keep doing what you were doing because it was working and we were all loving it, okay? Stay the course. So here's the story I wanted to share. It's from 2 Kings. If you don't know it, please read it tonight before bed. It's a lovely one. In 2 Kings, there's a story about a man named Naaman. Naaman is a general in the army. Uh, he has a good reputation. He has a strong track record for winning. He has a great life, except he is uh, suffering horribly from leprosy. One day, there's a young Israeli girl who's captured in a battle, and she's taken to Naaman's home to be a servant for his wife. And she observes his leprosy and how much he's uh, suffering, and she says to his wife, you know, if only he would travel to my country and go see my prophet for healing, you know, he could be made whole. So Naaman hears of this, and he decides to go. And he winds up going to the prophet Elisha's home, but when he gets there, Elijah doesn't come out. He sends a message instead. 
and says, if you wanna be healed, you should go to the Jordan River and you should dip seven times. Naaman is very offended and very insulted by this idea and tries to go home, but his fellow officers talk some sense into him, and so Naaman says, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go to the Jordan River and I'll, I'll do what you said. When Naaman got there and he dipped himself uh, on the seventh time when he came up, he was completely healed and he was restored. And I like that story for many different reasons, but um, for one, it always reminds me that God is not in a rush. We are in a rush, but God is a process in a way he wants to work things out in us. God is not interested in snapping his fingers and just fixing everything. What he wants is to have a real deep relationship with us. And it took seven dips for Naaman to get healed. But the heart transformation that was needed to get him to where he really needed to go, that started on dip number one. The, the work was already in place, but it took seven dips for him to see the full manifestation of the healing that God was doing in his work, in his life. Why am I saying that to you? Because if you're struggling with sin, don't doubt the transformative work that's already started just because it's taking a little bit longer than you might like for the fullness of it to come to pass. We all stumble. We all battle ferociously with sin. And we will all need the Holy Spirit's help to help us overcome some of our fiercest strongholds. It, it's not a process that's necessarily gonna be mastered overnight. That's not an excuse to go on sinning. That's not what that is. But what I'm saying to you is, if you're serious about this, you have made Christ the center of your life, you're following the Holy Spirit, and you're saying to yourself, why am I still struggling with this thing? Don't give up. You, you might just be on dip number two. Keep dipping, babe. Keep, keep, keep getting in that water. Let the Holy Spirit go deep with you so we can fix why it's really happening, why it really tempts you instead of just being on the surface. God is doing things in you, but he's doing them through faith, not through your rule keeping. And God has already made it possible for us to be set free from that miserable cycle of sin. You have to believe that. And this is a truth that carries over from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Jesus was not in a rush either. He watched, he participated in the lives of his disciples for many years, watching them change, watching as they were dipped, watching them get it, right? He never demanded perfection. What does he ask for? Commitment. That you get honest and you surrender it to him. You know it's a problem for you. Man, I'm talking to you from such an honest place this morning. 
Sometimes you just gotta go in the bathroom and sit down and say, gosh, Lord, I'm here, I'm broken and just so imperfect. Please do a work in me right now. That's all he's looking for, that honesty, that commitment, that surrender, and then boom, let me hit you with the power you need since you can't do it yourself. But that's okay, I already knew that and I love you anyway. We have a lot of coulds, I could do this, I should do this, I desire to do this, a lot of choices you can make, but in all of it, right, just keep bringing it back to the Holy Spirit, who's gonna help you go to Jesus, and then keep in mind that with all of it, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, you know it's leading you to life and peace. Whatever God expects you to be, he has empowered you to be, you are to be guided by his power. And so it's, 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 it's hard, but it's simple. Once we embrace the cross as our means of salvation, we have to embrace the spirit as our way to live. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Let's pray. Thank you. God, I receive the truth that you're not angry with us. You're not mad at us. If there are feelings of condemnation, it's, it's not coming from you. If there are feelings of conviction that inspire change, then that's what we wanna grab onto this morning. God, we are asking for you to infuse us with more of your power so that we can be made holy like Jesus. We can walk and talk in a way that pleases you. And we can share the good news with others who need it. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen.